Hello, and welcome to the 927th's pre-UTA podcast. This podcast is presented in three parts. First, we cover announcements. Next, we hear directly from our wing commander. And finally, we finish with a guest speaker highlighting one of Reserve Command's mission focus areas of readiness, resilience, or reform. This month, we'll focus on resilience as we talk to Lieutenant Robin Bouton about a team challenge that is a call to action for suicide awareness. But first, let's do some announcements. The Base Golf Course Grill is now open on Sundays from 6.30 to 13.00. They have breakfast, steak burgers, sandwiches, quinoa bowls, salads, and more, um, with big screen TVs to watch news and sports while you eat. The Base Library is open for curbside service Saturdays from 8 to 4. All you need is an active duty library account, and the catalog of available resources is online. If you don't have a library account, an application can be emailed to you. More info is in the PSA that was emailed and on our SharePoint. The SecDef is looking to recognize airmen doing extraordinary good stuff outside of their military duties. If you or someone you know is feeding the homeless, providing COVID-19 support, saving lives, helping education opportunities, or anything else like that, please reach out to us in PA so that we can get you or your friend recognized from the personal letter from the SecDef. Have you intervened to help an at-risk airman in their time of need? We want to know, and AFRIC wants to recognize your efforts because it makes a difference. More info in the PSA in your email. And now, a quick rundown of what's happening during the UTA. On Saturday, from 06.30 to 08.30, wing leaders will be serving up breakfast at the DFAC. At 7.30, our newcomer's brief will start. Seabirnie classes are happening from 8 to noon, and the key spouses, ha- key spouses are having a meeting at 10 o'clock. Wing leaders will be back at the DFAC serving up lunch from 11 to 13.30. CDC and PM ME testing will be hosted at 1300 and the Catholic Mass will be held at 1730 in the, in the base chapel. On Sunday, wing leaders will be serving up breakfast at the DFAC between 0600 and 0830. If you're interested in attending the Protestant Contemporary Service, it's happening at 715 in Building 6 Auditorium. Sea Bernie training will happen from 0800 to, to noon. Wing leaders will be back at the DFAC serving up lunch from 11 to 1300. At noon is the top three meeting. At 1300 is CDC and PME testing. At 1300 also is the rising six meeting. That's all for our announcements. And now a chat with our wing commander. I'm here today with Colonel Doug Stauffer, the wing commander for the 927th Air Refueling Wing. Thank you so much, sir, for taking time with us. You betcha, Lisa. We have, it's November. We have a lot of stuff going on. We're getting ready for a deployment and inspection, all kinds of great things happening. So where would you like to start? Uh, yeah, let's just start with those two things you mentioned. So uh, first of all, I would certainly like, if you're not part of it, for you all to be aware that we are uh, getting ready to send out our ops and maintenance deployment this month. They'll actually depart on the uh, December UTA, but we're starting the uh, PDF and CDF lines this month. So the November UTA is the last time for that group to do the final admin- administrative things needed to deploy. And then realizing that'll be kind of a, you know a major muscle movement, for lack of a better term, for our wing, uh, getting them out the door. Uh, and then you uh, and then you went on into the inspection, yes. Uh, I don't think there's anyone listening to this uh, that is not aware that we have an inspection in January, but in case not, of course, we have our UEI inspection coming. We will have inspectors here, but a lot of the inspection is already going on at this point in time. They're already looking in our MICT and the other systems of record to determine you know, what they see and how we've been doing this consistently over time. The inspection you know, mindset is not to prepare for an inspection and build up and then let it fall down like in maybe days of old. Still, uh, there are still 
real things that we can do in the November and December UTA uh, of items that, that just haven't gotten done. And uh, so please continue to knock those things out, validate your checklist if you haven't, or any of the other old write-ups uh, that you're trying to clean up. And that's not that's not prepping for an inspection. That's not waiting to the last minute to do it. It's just simply the time that we have on a, on a UTA to clean those things up and move forward. And the, the goal is a standard you know, state of readiness or compliance or effectiveness is really what they're measuring now, effectiveness, uh, you know, at all time. Yes, sir. And I know that we're just doing our jobs and making sure that the inspectors know that we're doing it. You betcha. All right. And budget is always a hot topic and people are always interested in the money piece and how we're doing and whether or not they can come in for duty. So um, what's the latest on budget, sir? Uh, the budget is a little bit different this year than what we've had in the past. Now, we got less money than last year, uh, but the difference from last year is we got all of that money up front loaded into our accounts, and now we have the option to space it out through the year and spend on our priorities, and we can plan for a year in advance, which is which is how it's supposed to work, uh, but it's not how it's worked in the past. For example, last year, we only got about a quarter of our money to start the year, and then we got a whole lot of money right at the last quarter. Well, that makes it difficult to, to execute year year-long plans and, and a consistent operating schedule if we have a lot and then a little and then a lot and then a little and we're going and, and there's kind of a thrash involved. So that doesn't mean there's any change for how we're going to operate. The things that are important, we're still going to fund uh, as important. We will just be able to plan a little bit better and hopefully reduce some of that thrash and flail. Okay. So like last year at the end of the year, we had a whole bunch of people that came on. Yep. This year, we're hoping to be able to spread that out so that we can have the work distributed throughout the year. Exactly. Okay. Because of our um, you know, we see that the cases of COVID are going up around the world and a lot of fluctuation happening. Um, CVR and teams are things that we've been using a lot to work here at the wing. Getting CVR accounts is something we've been talking about. Would you like to talk about that a little bit? Yes. We'll see what COVID does uh, and where it goes in the future. But uh, one thing that we have to be prepared for is continue if we need to go back into a more virtual environment because of some skyrocketing numbers, uh, we need to be able to do that. So the first time when this happened, it caught us a little on the wear, a little flat-footed, right? We we didn't even know what CVR was at that time. Now, if you are a TR and you're out at your civilian job and you're at your home and we tell you, hey, get this account, you just didn't have necessarily the resources or the instructions or the access to get that. Now that we're back and that we're working, my goal is that many more people will get those accounts. Uh, I've uh, I've mandated it for wing staff. Other units have done the, the same thing too, but the, the idea is it is based off the Microsoft Teams platform. Unfortunately, there's some confusion involved and there's two accounts you can get. You can get an account based on your cat card uh, and that's fine, but the one that I'm really pushing for is the, it's called a CVR account. There's emails about it. There's ways to sign up for it and it's based off of a CVR email. There's no email to check. That's just the email you use to sign in. It's done by username and password. Put it on your phone, personal phone, personal computer, government computer, government phone. You can do it on a web browser. There are multiple different ways to get that. Is that take priority over deployment? No. Uh, does that take priority over, over getting medical ready or, uh, you know, Suburney ready? No. Uh, but if you have some time, I am really asking for you to get those accounts and that will give us flexibility to, you know, to go into a virtual environment again. And then tied closely to that is the ability to send and receive emails from your home computer or your home, you know, whatever device uh, that you use there. There are a few different options available. Uh, there's a desktop anywhere option. There's, of course, a government computer. If you happen to have one that you can take with you, uh, there are the uh, the cat card readers that PA, uh, you know, that your shop has given out. They work okay. Uh, you know, some limitations there, but there's uh, there's those options. And then there's just the standard uh, Outlook web access, web mail uh, type platform 
platform that you can get. So a number of different options there, but, uh, and that's only going to benefit you as a person. Is this a hassle? Uh, I'm making you do this. No, I'm not making you do this. But what this does, it allows you to have the freedom to work some things remotely uh, rather than not working it. The rules are, you've heard me say on this platform before that I can't mandate uh, that you will telework or telecommute, uh, but it gives you options to continue to get paid, to continue to have a good year if we happen to go into a remote or a virtual environment again. So uh, as time allows, please work on getting that access and it'll only benefit you in the long run. And I think as reservists, we all want to be relevant. And that is one more way to stay relevant in your command is being able to do some of that stuff from home and be responsive and relevant to your commander. So um, now the Wing Commanders Conference happened recently, you were at it. Is there anything from that, from the chief of staff and General Scobie that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, sure. Great. I think we're going to end with this today. And so now I'm going to put on my, uh, you know, a little bit of a of doctrine and, and Air Force sort of policy hat, but, but it's not going to be boring and dry. What I'd really like to do is just pass on what our most senior leaders are telling me. And by, by default, we, any airman uh, ought to know these things. So this is General Brown's message, our, our chief of staff of the Air Force. Uh, this was echoed by General Scobie uh, all within the last month or so, a little over, uh, as I've listened to them uh, talk on virtual conferences. So General Brown's catchphrase, for lack of a better term, is accelerate, change, or lose. And he's very specific to say, this is not an abbreviation. It's that you need to say it out, accelerate, change, or lose with the focus on if we don't do something different than the way we've done it in the past, we risk losing as a military. And that's something that we simply can't stomach. So he has four, his ABCDs of his policy of how he's going to get to this uh, accelerate, change, or lose. And I'll give them to you once again, a, a quick snippet in each one. Of course, A, airmen, and that's all of us. He makes the focus of taking care of the airmen and developing our airmen, making sure our airmen are trained. And we're going to get into, uh, when I talk on the fourth one, or excuse me, the third one, we're going to get into a little more uh, two other categories of airmen that he has designed so that we can accelerate that change. So obviously the first, number one, focus on airmen. So the B is bureaucracy. That's not at it. That's <laughs> reduce it. Uh, we've all seen it. We all still see it. And he knows it. He has some, perhaps some, some structural or reorganization changes and other things that he is looking at on how to do that from his level. Uh, but it is attempting to reduce the, the bureaucracy that prevents us from getting the job done. Uh, our previous chief of staff, General Goldfein, called it the frozen middle. The people kind of in the middle from the, the airmen doing the job and then the most senior commanders on uh, blocking things or, or just not getting things done. So that bureaucracy and reducing that and taking risk where acceptable at, at a command level to, uh, you know, simply do or not do items to be able to accelerate that change is uh, is certainly a focus of his competition. So that's his C. And competition has to do with since, uh, essentially, since the first Gulf War, which is coming up on almost 30 years ago, if you can believe that. And I remember sitting there watching it. So that kind of dates me a little, I suppose. We've spent that near whole time focused on the Middle East and that type of, uh, of warfare, and we're still doing that today. But the world has not stood still. While we have focused on the CENTCOM area, specifically uh, China and Russia, none of this is its secret level or anything. You can read the non-classified national defense strategy and see that as, as well, too. The focus on what they're calling the great power competition or near-peer adversary of what China and Russia bring. And they have spent the last near 30 years studying how we have employed our forces uh, 
and we have to be able to now bring the correct force to fight. Uh, the same way that we've fought in CENTCOM is not necessarily going to work against China and Russia, which leads right into the design or design implementation, which is his number uh, letter D. Uh, and that comes to, no kidding, bringing uh, the right force to bear as needed. So I mentioned earlier that there's a couple types of, uh, of, of airmen. So the new term on the block is called Agile Combat Employment, or ACE for short. That is, uh, rather than fixed bases of large structures, you know, Agile Combat Employment is being able to agilely, uh, you know, move our combat forces around and employ them in ways that have the, the greatest effect two ways. Now, this is going to start in the active duty. We'll see where or if this comes to the reserves, but two ways the active duty is starting to get at this uh, is one is called multifunctional airmen or multifaceted airmen. Those are airmen that you might be a a POL guy, let's say, uh, but instead of just fueling an aircraft, you might be actually doing some minor maintenance on it. You might, in a fighter community, be loading a weapon on it. You might even, uh, you know, be doing other functions because the concept is, once again, not this you know, large base and structure where you have uh, everyone doing one duty. It's going to be, you know, one person doing many duties. So that is is one thing the active duty is looking at. And then the second thing is called digitally adept airmen. We also are quite aware that technology is improving by leaps and bounds, right? Our near peer adversaries, they have certainly latched on to that technological piece. And so for us to continue to accelerate the change, we need to not lose in that environment. We have to have airmen of all ranks that are are digitally adept. Now, uh, we can all be cynical. We can all say, I can't even log on to my computer or print a piece of paper on this this printer sitting right next to me. How am I going to be a digitally adept airman? Well, there are struggles in there and, and we all acknowledge that. But the fact of the matter is anything we can do to to increase that digitally adept nature, there's an entire training sort of platform that is available to if, if airmen want to learn various coding skills and, and other things like that. Now, there's no additional pay. Will there be at some point in time? I mean, the, the, the concept was sort of tossed around. Well, we, we pay people extra to, to learn Arabic or to learn Russian or to, and, and maintain competency in it. What about a computer language? Uh, so, I mean, I've heard those talks. I don't know whether it'll get there or not. If that's something that is where your mind is at and and you love the program and you can see how using that would actually benefit your Air Force job, there are are functions and avenues out there for you to take courses at little to no charge and and become more uh, digitally adept in those things. And the concept would be, this is obviously certainly not going to be across the Air Force in every system, but if you as an airman can modify this program that does this one thing to do something else and help it kind of in real time, then then that's what they want. So obviously there's a lot of... uh, a lot of leeway in an area like that and a lot of you know things are going to have have to be addressed but but those four those four points are where general brown and by default general scobie are envisioning uh, our air force needs to go i will throw out i'm, I'm not making any this is not a, a political advertisement or a, an endorsement but there's a book out there called the kill chain it's uh, written by christian bros b-r-o-s-e i have the book i'm about three quarters of the way through it haven't gotten done with it i've also listened to him speak the amc conference the phoenix 
Rally Conference I was on, and a lot of these points that we're talking about about the comp- China competition. He was a he was a staffer with Senator McCain when he was alive, and there's some fantastic insights. There's some futuristic stuff. There's all sorts of things. If this if this kind of concept interests you and you want to learn more about it, it's all unclassified. Go uh, download a copy of that book uh, and read it. I found it very interesting. Excellent. Okay, so the ABCs were Airmen, bureaucracy, competition, and design, and those are from General Brown, and you got those at the Wing Commander Conference, and kind of speak to the way forward for Big Air Force I say to have. That's very interesting. All right, sir, and then just to hit one more time, our own mission and vision, because we want to try to nail that home every time so we don't lose focus of our own tactical one. If you didn't catch it, our mission and vision both have the word ready in it, and so uh, that was done on purpose. Uh, So always ready, and that is where we aim to be and aim to stay. And then, of course, to provide combat-ready citizen airmen fueling the fight. That ties in there, the combat-ready piece. Uh, And now we we added fueling, uh, not in just an air refueling sense, because we're an air refueling wing, but our job is to provide forces. That is the way that we are we are fueling that accelerate change or lose pattern by having our airmen ready to go out the doors. They're getting ready to this month and, and truthfully have done the number that we've deployed uh, in the last uh, two years, I think is 800, 900 uh, airmen or something like that, that we have deployed in the last two years. That's nearly the entire wing. Uh, and if you if you think about that, anyways, that is, a, that is our mission and vision where we are at and where we want to go. And uh, hopefully when the inspectors come in January, they will see that. Roger, sir. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking time uh, to talk with me today. I know our airmen really appreciate you talking directly to them through this podcast. So thanks so much. You bet you have a great day, Lisa. For the resilience portion of today's podcast, I'm talking to Lieutenant Robin Boughton. She's the wing exec. You guys may have seen her up in the head shed, um, but talking to her today as the lead coordinator for the Miles for Life, an event happening during our December UTA. So not this UTA, but next UTA. So thank you so much, um, Robin, for coming to talk with us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you taking the time. Now, what is Miles for Life? So Miles for Life is a 17-hour event. It is going to be a challenge, so I hope you're up for it. It is a place for teams to come together and compete to see how many miles they can run. More importantly than that, though, it is an event to raise suicide awareness and prevention. So we'll be connecting airmen here and their families to needed resources. That's outstanding. So this is so important, like what you're talking about, finding these resources and raising awareness of veteran suicide. It's so important during this time because our resilience is being tested so much during COVID and kids at home instead of you know homeschooling when they probably hadn't before. Um, resilience being tested this is really important at this moment. What got you involved in this specific program? So I've been in the Air Force now for 10 years, and it's something that has continuously come up. And it's a problem that I think we continuously face. And I don't think there's a right answer to fix it. But the bottom line is, is I think we can do better. And so this is something that we had started when I was stationed at Joint Base McGuire-Dix-Lakehurst. It was simply an event that I thought could connect I had experienced a couple of people at that time that desperately needed these resources and taking that first step to get them was so difficult. And so I thought that this could just be a simple way to get 
the airmen that may need these resources for themselves or others to get them directly connected to them without having to take that first step when they might be facing a crisis. And it makes it that much harder to get these resources. So this is just a way to connect those resources with the airmen and families that need them prior to it being a crisis mode or something had just happened. And it's a great way, I think, just to normalize like mental health is is something that I think I always say that if I could have a, a personal chef and a trainer, a physical trainer and a mental health counselor on my personal staff for life, that would be my glam squad because I think it's so important. Physical um, health is very normalized. Mental health has still carries some sort of stigma sometimes. So even if you're not somebody that you think might need suicide awareness prevention, like right now, going out to this event, it just connects you with the people that are there and resources so that you can connect with other people. And we know this is important because you said it's a 17 hour event. Why do we choose 17 hours and how is that connected to this event? Most of you will have heard or know about the 22 being kind of the number that signifies the 22 veterans a day. However, it was found last calendar year that it was actually a closer to about 17. So during this event, we're hoping to highlight the 17 veterans who had committed suicide each day during calendar year 19. In addition to that, though, there was 498 who actually committed suicide that were part of the active duty guard or reserve component. We want to make sure that we are capturing all of that. So the 17 hours is directly correlated to the 17 veterans, but then the 498 that we lost on active duty guard or reserve components will be captured as well. There'll be 29 flags placed every hour with a pair of one combat boots to signify all of those that we have lost. I think that that's going to be such a visual to understand the gravity of this. Just it happens at all levels, at all ranks, it touches all of us. And so I think this is so important and what you're doing is really great. Now, is this a McDill thing or is it a 927 thing? So this will be open to anybody who has access to base. So we encourage families, we encourage kids, we encourage active duty, reserve, guard, any branch anybody essentially who has access to the base. So just as you had mentioned, you know, this is something that impacts so many people. It doesn't impact just one particular grade or rank or job title. It has no discriminating factors as far as that goes. So this is something that we want to make sure that anybody that has access to the base is welcome to come. There are two different days. So whichever one works better, there's not a certain time or date that you have to go to if you're a certain component. It is open to what best meets your needs as far as taking the time to get out there. I know I mentioned it being 17 hours, but that's not what we are expecting you to be out there for. So if you can make 30 minutes, if you can make an hour, two hours, whatever the mission allows for you to get out there and get these resources is really what we're looking for. And I think we've all at some point um, done one of those like walkathons or like things where you sponsor people by the mile or something like that. And so I see that as something very similar where you could have teams, big teams, small teams, individuals, they come out for whatever they can do just to come out and and raise awareness and be a part of that. So um, when and where is this happening? Like, I know you said 17 hours. We've already talked about how it's during our drill, but can you kind of give me a thumbnail sketch of what this event looks like? Absolutely. So we kick off on 4 December at 6.30 in the morning. So there will be a breaking of glow sticks ceremony to kick us off. And so what that is, is we know that, you know, sometimes you just have to break before you shine. And so this is going to start us off. And from there, we're going to go from 6.30 to 16.30 on Friday. And then we're going to break and start it back up again at 07 on Saturday. And all of that is going to take place at the Bayshore Gate Community Park. That will be the main 
main focal point for this event. The run and walk will actually take place down Bayshore Boulevard. The good thing about it is, though, is that it's all going to be tracked virtually. So if you can't make it to Bayshore Boulevard, you can still participate on a treadmill. You can participate running around base somewhere else on track. It will all be based on a virtual tracker. So you will register and then get set up on the virtual tracker and you can essentially run and walk where you choose, but that focal point is still going to be at the Bayshore Community Park, which we encourage teams to stop by. Oh, excellent. That's really good to know. Um, If I am interested in this, so now I've listened to you and I'm really excited. I'm an airman that's excited to come do this or a family member or a civilian. What do I do next? Like, where do I register if I want to be on a team? Do I pick my own team and register as a group or can I join a team? Yep. What has that work? So you can do pretty much all of the above. There is a so on our main flyer, which will be distributed, there is a QR link. So you will simply just follow the QR link and it will take you to a sign up page. And that sign up page, you will be able to sign up yourself and up to 10 people. We are limiting it, the teams to 10, but they don't have to be 10. It can be anything from one to 10. So if you are a single registr- uh, registrant, you would just do the one team and just provide your information. Or if family wants to do it, they could be an individual team. But let's say that there's 10 people from a unit that want to do it. So they'll just go on to this QR link, which will link them right to the registration and they'll just fill in their information and their team name and they're good to go. Excellent. And since this is happening on Saturday during our drill weekend, is there a uniform requirement? So there's no uniform requirement. No, you don't need to wear like a PT uniform. You can simply whatever you would normally run and walk in. Um, Obviously, make sure that your leadership is on board and knows that you're going to be there. But other than that, there's no specific uniform requirement. And um, I know that we're all very, very busy on our drill weekends. And it seems like it's hard to find time to do any of this. So even if you're just going out for your lunch break or whatever you're doing, I think there's some great benefit, like Robin was saying, on getting connected, making those connections before the time when you really need it, because hopefully that first time isn't when you're in a time of crisis and needing to get to know those people, like getting to know them now, I think is huge. And I think it's great that you've made the time, taken the time to lead this effort to get these people connected and help us that way. Is there anything that um, I have forgotten to ask you or that you'd like to add before we go? I know we all got stuff to do. Thank you for taking the time to highlight this. I definitely challenge you to get out there, even if it's for 15 minutes, and stop by the tables and get those resources, because I know together we can definitely do better. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. That's a wrap. If you have any questions you'd like us to answer on the next podcast, email or Facebook messages, and we'll ask the experts and get the answers to you right here on this podcast. Thank you so much for listening in as we do our part to keep the 927th Citizen Airmen informed so you can be always ready.